This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, awesomes. Today is Friday, March 18th, 2022. And as you may have noticed, once again, I am not Meg Teets. This is Kelly Gordon here with Rebecca Hoffer. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. As probably all of you know by now, Meg's mom passed away last week after a battle with post-COVID pneumonia. You know, it's always horrific to lose a parent, but I think It feels like an especially low blow at this point in 2022 when we've all endured so much for so long. We just don't have any energy left, you know? But I will say this. Wow. The awesome community has really stepped up in like the most awesome way. This last week, you guys have been giving to a GoFundMe to support Meg and her sister, Emily, their whole family through these next few weeks of grieving the loss of their mom. And that has been an awesome moment. You know, in the midst of sadness and tragedy, so often we find good people stepping in. And that's always like, I don't want to say the silver lining because grief is grief, but it meant a lot to me when my dad died a couple of years ago to feel like the buoyancy of the people who cared for us. Yeah. The generosity of the awesomes has really blown me away. And I'm so thankful for this lovely community. You truly are being the awesome in the everyday. That's right. And that's why we're here, right? So Rebecca and I wanted to give Meg another week off at least. And I think we've got a pretty fun and maybe even useful show for you today. It's all about games. Games you can play with your family and friends at different ages and stages. Maybe even a few games that we've sworn we will never play again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I feel like you're a great person to do this episode with, Kelly. You have brought a lot of really good games to the episodes before, and some of these might, you know, be showing up again in this episode, and that's totally okay. You know, they're worth mentioning twice, then they're worth putting in your shopping cart for sure. That's right. Exactly. And man, there are so many games out there these days that if I ask people for their favorite game, it's more often than not that people will say a game that I've never even heard of. And they're like, oh, this is my favorite game. And I'm like, I literally have not heard of it. So it's just a great topic overall for everybody. And I will say the funny thing is, is that I do like games, but I kind of don't because the rest of my family is super competitive and I'm not. So it's funny that I'm talking about games because they're like lots of times when they say, mom, will you play a game? I'm like, what kind of game? (laughs) What kind of game? Also, I'm not very patient. But Awesomes, we are so glad that you are here for this episode of Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you find the conversation, friendship, and community here online and in the real world. Rebecca and I are so happy to have you have found yourself 
here in this corner of the podcast universe, because truly the awesomes, which is, of course, what we call members of our community, are the best, best, best people on this planet. So we're going to be talking all about games today. But first, of course, we're going to start the show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week, which is the time in the show when we talk about the things that are making our lives a little bit more awesome right now, like a book, an article, a song, a recipe, an intention. I was trying to think of other things that have made our lives awesome, you know, other categories of things. But Rebecca, why don't you start by sharing your awesome of the week? Okay, my awesome of the week is Love is Blind Season 2 on Netflix. Okay, this is not my show, but I know it's out it's and I know everybody's <laughs> everybody's talking about it. And for good reason. So the first season of Love is Blind was my awesome of the week in episode 236, which was almost exactly two years ago. If you have not taken the plunge and you don't know the premise of the show, this is how it works. It's an exclusive for Netflix. It's a reality dating show, but they don't see each other. They do all of their dating. It's about two weeks, I think, that they do intense dating in what they call the pods. It's these like little mini living room sitting areas where they have microphones set up where they can hear each other, but they can't see each other. So it's all about can you build that intense emotional connection without the physical element? So I think that this show then has the possibility to appeal to people who are really turned off by like the Bachelor franchise where you're like, this is so superficial. It's like a lot of people competing just for one person there's a lot of elements to Bachelor franchise that you don't necessarily see in Love is Blind because it is multiple women dating multiple men and, you know, you don't have any of that physical aspect to it. So after they build their connections, then there's a proposal and it's only after you accept a proposal of engagement that you get to see the person in real life for the first time. Then they are immediately swept away for a week vacation in Mexico to try to see if they can build a physical connection in real life as well. And then after that, they live together in an apartment provided by the show as kind of like a neutral ground for them to test out, well, how does this work? How can we make it work in real life? And that's for a certain time period. And then there is the wedding day. If they want to get married, they need to go through the whole process and then, yes, of course, get married. If they don't want to get married, they still go through the whole process. Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. not until they're standing there on the altar do they say, like, I do or I don't. You're not backing out before the wedding, typically. Right. So now the reason why I'm making season two and awesome of the week again is because again it's that same fascinating experiment of dating and getting engaged without seeing each other but without a lot of the toxic relationships that were in season one season one had this couple that just fought so terribly together like you just watch the fights and think this couple should not be together it's so incredibly toxic they just said really really i mean toxic is the only word for it said terrible things to each other, about each other. There are some other characters and some other relationships that just were toxic. This time around, I was rooting for multiple couples. I found myself saying, oh, I love them and crying at times, actual tears <laughs> crying during the show. 
it, I mean, it, I'm not that surprised, Rebecca. But. <laughs> no, 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 you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. But if you're not really interested in the toxic drama, this season has a lot more to root for. And I think there's a lot more potential for a wider audience to find some appeal. So skip season one, perhaps, and jump right into season two. Of course, there is some drama, some unexpected things. It's a wild ride. It's so much fun. I mean, it's a reality TV show, so it's going to be that no matter what, right? But you're saying that it's not maybe as toxic as some of them can be. Oh, season one, there were some couples that were just perfection together. And then there was some that I was just like shaking my head, like, why do you keep going back to each other? This is terrible. Let's raise the bar here. (laughs) So I read a couple of articles about it because it's like I said, it's been kind of everywhere. And I saw a clip where it was what you said. I didn't know that this was the premise of the show, where it was this beautiful wedding and the bride walks up and then she says no and walks away. And I was like, I don't know what I just watched. (laughs) What happens? (laughs) So you're saying that that's part of it. Like it's, I don't say it's okay, but you're not like, it's not a big shocker. It's like, okay, this is what is half expected to happen because none of the family sitting there seemed shocked by it. You know, they were like, okay, Like nobody got up and was like, what are you doing? You know? Yes. Everybody is going to the wedding with the expectation of discovering whether or not their partner is actually going to say, I do or I don't. Okay. And is it all done or is it still going on? Yes, it is completed. So it was being released like week by week, but the whole thing is out, including the reunion. The reunion was wild. You have to watch. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a wild ride. Okay. So, yeah, it's all out there waiting for you to binge. I watched it in a really short amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine because that's the kind of thing that sucks anybody in if they're starting to watch. Like, you want to know what happens. Very fun. Very fun. I feel like my awesome of the week is going to be so nerdy. We are playing. <laughs> <laughs> to our personalities here today, Rebecca. Perfect. My awesome of the week is a weather mm-hmm. satellite website. Mm-hmm. I mean, could we yeah. get any more on point? Yeah, you have me at be any more, uh-huh. Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I actually am surprised. This is one of those things that sometimes it's in my life, and I've told a lot of my real in life people, especially people who I also know, like I don't just walk around talking to everybody about this, but it is a website. It's also an app, but I think it's better on the website, which is why I'm talking about it that way. It's called Zoom Earth and that's the web address. It's zoom.earth. Okay. And it is a very large view, although you can zoom in of the world, really. You could do the entire world not at once, but you know, like if you want, that is showing you satellite imagery that's updated every 10 minutes or five, depending on where you are. The thing that I love about it is not only that you can see things in a broad perspective, it's kind of fun for me, for people who like weather, or even if you just have friends and family around to like be able to look and say, oh, it's cloudy over there today, or here's where the snow is, or look, there's nothing happening like the day I'm looking at right now in the southeastern US. There's no storms. It looks really bright and clear. You can also watch because it's this broad view. If you play the satellite imagery, it shows the sun coming across the U S you know, like night Mm -hmm. receding Mm -hmm. as day or vice versa. 
at nighttime, it's not real time, but they use nighttime satellite imagery. So all the cities, you can see the lights of the different city centers across the U.S., which I just think is kind of cool as long as there's not clouds obscuring it. And then probably one of the things that I think I found it for last summer is that you have lots of layers that you can play with on the satellite. So you can put clouds, you can put rain, no radar, you can put on wind, which actually, I don't know if you've ever seen, this is really nerdy because again, I don't know that anybody cares about weather as much as people who really care about weather, but the wind as it's swirling around, it will show the patterns of the wind across the US where it's, it's swirling, that sort of a thing. But it also shows fires and smoke from the satellite. So like a lot of people in the U.S. and Canada, we are dealing with smoke a lot this time in the summers, you know, that sort of thing. So getting to see where the fires are burning and seeing the smoke plume and being able to tell, like, is it going to blow toward me? Is it going to be unhealthy air the next few days? Is it going to be obscuring the sun? It's really, really fascinating. And I love to play with it. My favorite thing, honestly, is just the fact that you can see so much at once. And of course, one of the best things coming into this time of year is we're getting into spring and early summer. This is storm season. So it's also going to show you storm warnings and that kind of thing. You can put on a layer that will show you where there are warnings or watches out for storms, which Rebecca, you and I were talking about how you don't even know the weather on certain days in your own area. And that makes me a little stressed out. So I might need to know your exact zip code so that I can watch for it on the map. <laughs> so that when I check it, I can be like, oh, there's a storm warning in Rebecca's area today. I'm going to need to text her and be like, weather aware, Rebecca Hoffer. There could be bad storms in your area this afternoon. I for sure have done that. Not for Meg, because I think Oklahoma, because of tornado alley there, is pretty aware of when things are going to get really bad. The city, it's everywhere. But I know for sure I have texted her on some days and been like, you know, this is like a really bad day for tornadoes this afternoon. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm aware. So it's just really fun. If you like weather, if you like science, if you know somebody who likes weather or science, zoom.earth. I promise it will blow your mind. I mean, really, technology. It's so cool when you think about the fact that we can see the entire planet. I can see what's going on right now anywhere. And in fact, you know, this is more of a serious thing, but this is not weather. You know, like in Russia and Ukraine, at the beginning, there was a lot of people watching. Like you could watch the tanks because of satellite imagery that you can access online. Oh, wow. Like you can see what's happening in places around the world. It's cool. So are you using it mostly just out of curiosity for weather outside of your area? Or are you also using it for like informed decision making about how you're going to approach the weather in your area? Because I feel like you probably Both. have other sources of really reliable weather for your specific area that you're going to. I do, but I feel like this imagery, the satellite imagery is way clearer and quicker than some of the apps that I have. Okay. And this is just my own personal thing. Lots of times I don't want to just know the rain. I want to know the clouds. Like, is it going to be sunny outside, <laughs> especially in the summer? I'm like, is it going to be a blue sky or is it a cloudy day, even if it's not raining? And some of the weather apps don't show that. They're just there to warn you about storms, you know? 
I want more information than that. <laughs> so this gives me that more information. And again, I just think it's really beautiful to watch. It's kind of like a Zen thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when you hit play and you just watch all the clouds across the U.S. like swirl and the light come, I don't know. It's just really beautiful. And again, it's very geeky and sciencey, but it's very Kelly it makes and me I so love happy. it. <laughs> so awesome. Those are our awesomes of the week. Thank you so much for always coming to the Hangout and telling us yours, because honestly, they inspire us lots of times. We read your awesomes. We learn about something new. We go check it out. It spreads the awesomeness into the world, and that's what it's all about. So if you want to play, if you're not already in the Sort of Awesome Hangout on Facebook, look for Sort of Awesome in Groups on Facebook and join in. Every Friday, we have a thread where you could also share your Awesome of the Week. In just a second, Rebecca and I will be back to talk all things games. You know, Awesomes, there are some amazing doctors out there, but really the only ones that matter are the ones who actually take your insurance. With ZocDoc, you can focus on doctors who are in-network, putting you on the path to see the doctors who are right for you. No more wasting time hunting down Aunt Shirley's cash-only chiropractor or the dentist your coworker recommended who's actually out of the network. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans have to say about their visit. So then when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone who gets you and is in your network. Go to ZocDoc.com, that's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com. You can choose a time slot, and whether you want to see a doctor in person or do a video visit, and just like that, you're booked. Find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and it's easy to see why. It's a go-to if you need to find a doctor quick who's in your network. In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. With ZocDoc, you can get your docs in a row. Maybe the best part of ZocDoc is that the waiting times are not long at all. In fact, most doctor's offices take 30 minutes or more, but with ZocDoc, it's a far lower waiting time. Go to ZocDoc.com awesome and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then you can start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available as soon as 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash awesome. ZocDoc dot com slash awesome. Awesomes, have you ever thought, I wish these bags under my eyes would just go away? If that sounds like you, you're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of Americans. Until now. Introducing GenuCell Plant Stem Cell Therapy to visibly reduce puffiness under the eyes. Why GenuCell? Like most people, you've probably tried innumerable anti-aging skincare products claiming to erase wrinkles, lighten dark circles under the eyes, brighten skin, and restore a more youthful appearance. And it's probable that you've been disappointed. But GenuCell's products really work. GenuCell's anti-aging skincare products are all based on antioxidants, natural substances proven to help repair and prevent damage that's caused by the sun, wind, pollution, stress, and other external and internal factors. Their unique antioxidant skincare products are endorsed by doctors and celebrities. And GenuCell promises results that will make you smile, guaranteed, or you can get 100% of your money back. Right now, GenuCell's most popular package is 60% off at GenuCell.com awesome. 
treat yourself and a loved one to the absolute best skincare in the world. Just go to genucel.com, that's spelled G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash awesome and enter our special promo code awesome for a free gift plus an additional 20% off when you purchase their most popular package. Free priority shipping is available too for a limited time. That's genucel.com, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash awesome, genucel.com slash awesome. Hey, awesomes, have you heard of Element? It's spelled L-M-N-T, and it's a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. It contains a science-based electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, and 60 milligrams magnesium. With none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. Electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, and weakness. I did not know that. When you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium, and you can lose up to 7 grams per day. When sodium isn't replaced, it's common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue. This is honestly the best electrolyte drink mix ever. It's perfect for people like me who are always on the go. So I'm going to take my Grab and Grow Element Recharge Pack and feel a little salty and great. Element is used by everybody from NBA, NFL, NHL players, to Olympic athletes, Navy SEALs, to just people like us, everyday moms and exercise enthusiasts. Element is so sure that you will love their product and come back for more that they are offering you a free Element sample pack. That's eight single-serving packets free. Just cover the cost of shipping, which is $5 for U.S. customers. Get yours at drinkelement.com awesome. This deal is not available on their regular website. You have to go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash awesome. Element offers a no questions asked refund. So try it. It's totally risk-free. If you don't like it, just share it with a salty friend and we'll give you your money back. No questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Welcome back, awesomes. Okay, so let's get into it. We're going to be talking about games today. Family games, maybe even games that you can do by yourself, games that we've loved, games we haven't loved so much. I think the best thing about games really, I mean, a friend, I should say this, on Twitter this morning reminded me that games actually have a lot of developmental ramifications. They teach reasoning and patience and all those things. And they said the number one thing for families playing games is it can help kids learn emotional regulation. Oh, yeah, I, was like, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I have not thought about games as a learning opportunity. Most of the time, except for when my kids are really, really little, you're thinking about this is just a fun bonding activity, right? It's something fun to do together. However you're playing it, why ever you're playing a game makes for great memories. So that's, I feel like, one of the best things. I was thinking as I prepared for this show, Rebecca, about my maternal grandparents They were a wonderful, loving, grandparently couple, married 50 years. He was a pastor, but also maybe because of their generation, you're the greatest generation, children of the depression, they were a little unaccessible to me. They were people who would come and visit and they were always very nice. 
But like, what do we talk about? Or especially as you get older, you know, you're looking for a way to connect and there just didn't seem to be a way except for when we played games. Mm-hmm. We would play games like when they would visit us at Christmas. And I especially remember playing Clue, which now I look back and I think my grandparents, you know, of course, this was again in the 80s. There wasn't even as much technology, but they were very, very conservative. Like my grandma didn't wear a dress, only wore dresses, didn't go to the movies, didn't play card games like card games. All card games were gambling related. And so there was none of that. So games already were a little bit of a stretch for them. It wasn't something that they were used to. And then Clue, you know, Clue is a wackadoodle kind of a game. You know, like there are rules to like, this is how it's played. And so well, we tried. And it's, a, it's a murder mystery. That, right. You know, murder. That seems a little scandalous. <laughs> it is for like a very conservative Baptist. You're right. We're like, do you kill somebody with a pipe in the library? (laughs) Who do you want to accuse? And, you know, like you've got the little pieces, the little lead pipe or the little knife. And so we tried to teach them. And mostly what I remember is laughing like they did not get it. (laughs) But they were so game to try. And that's what I think is really sweet is that they would try like they would move their person around and we're like, where are you going? And they're like, I don't know. We're like, you're supposed to try to get into a room. And they're like, oh. Okay. And they get in there and we say, now what are you going to do? And they're like, I don't know. (laughs) And we're like, you've got a little card you're supposed to be checking off. You know, if people make accusations or the cards that you have. And they're like, oh, I forgot I had cards. It was just (laughs) funny. I remember laughing about it. It's actually one of my best memories of my grandparents of trying to play these games. And they would sometimes accuse themselves of the murder and not get it. Like you have the card of you. And they're like, oh, that means I can't have done it. No, that means that you're not in the guilty card. They're like, oh, okay. It was just, again, it's sweet. It's sweet, right? Because they would try. And I think that that shows how they were trying to relate to their teenage grandchildren who they're like, I don't know what kind of music you listen to or these crazy clothes you're wearing or whatever you're doing, you know, in your free time. But I'm going to try to make these memories. What about you? Do you have any memories that are game related? Well, speaking of Clue, we did play Clue, but then I also had a travel version that was a little bit different. And I came up with a way that I could track where I went and where my opponents went that really gave me an advantage. And okay, (laughs) my mother to this day swears that I cheat at Travel Clue. She's going to listen to this and she's going to send me a text and say, you did. You do cheat because you know what? She never, ever won. And she swears that I cheated every time. But I didn't. I just came up with this tracking system. Anyway. Oh, the big game that we played growing up, I played with my family. I played with extended family. I played with my high school friends. It was Spoons. Do you ever play Spoons, Kelly? Okay, well, yes and no. Not regularly. I played it a couple of times in youth group. It was an easy game. Actually, when we were doing trips, like if we were camping or we were at a retreat, because you need what? Card deck and spoons. Yes. It's a good youth group type of game. So you have a deck of cards and you shuffle them all up. Everybody gets four. And then you have the person who starts by picking up off of the remaining pile of cards. They look at them and try to see if they want to keep that card or not, because the goal is to have four cards all the same in your hand. So you have all four kings or all four twos or something. So 
if they take the card, then they discard one and pass it on to the next person. If they don't yes. want it, they okay. just pass it on. And it goes all around, round, round, round. And it's a quick pace game because whoever has all four cards the same first grabs for a spoon at the center of the table. And there's one less spoon than players. And the person who doesn't get the spoon gets a letter. So when the first person goes to grab for the spoon, that's the clue for everybody else to grab for the spoon. So you don't have to wait until you have all four. The first person to have all four, they grab the first spoon and then everybody else rushes to (laughs) grab them. Okay, That's what I remember. I remember like getting hurt. People grabbing things and being like, oh, my gosh, this is so like crazy and like getting my knuckles skinned. I have visions of my mother, who is a very petite woman, (laughs) hurling herself across the table. And again, I grew up fairly conservative Mennonite. We are not like hurling ourselves anywhere types of people. (laughs) Hurling herself across the table. I have a vision, a memory of my uncle toppled out of his chair, I think because of my mother, on the floor, a chair broken. We used to draw blood when playing with my high school friends. We would do full contact spoons before where sometimes we would have the spoons in another room and then you'd have to sprint to go get them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So variations on the games. Yes. Yes. And then you'd always have that one person who would grab their spoon and then just throw the rest of them. So they went scattering and people were diving under the table to get them. Spoons was definitely a, a childhood memory for sure. And I have another one. A bit okay. of a confession, Kelly, that when I think about memorable games from my past, I have to remember Uno. Now, listen, Uno, it's a very basic game. <laughs> I'm sure everybody has memories of playing Uno, but I have a very distinct memory of playing a lot of Uno over the course of two weeks. So much Uno, in fact, with this one person. We played 151 games of Uno, which if on average lasted for 10 minutes (laughs) a game, would mean that we played over 25 hours of Uno together over the course of two weeks. (laughs) What? That's insane. So did you do anything else with your life? Fair enough question. Fair enough question. Okay, so I was on a college trip in Guatemala. My college had this required cross-cultural program. And for two weeks out of that, we were paired off with people from our group and sent to do a service project. And we did the service project with this school, helping to teach English and providing other support to the teachers there. But we lived on campus at the school with out anyone else really we weren't staying in a host family's home and so for the most part it was just the two of us and we played so much uno so we decided to like have a competition i actually pulled out my scrapbook my photo album to see if i wrote down how much uno we played (laughs) for this episode and i won my friend erica she had 68 wins of Uno, and I had 83 wins. So I smoked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And the fun thing about Uno, and we can talk about this, is that there are so many versions of Uno today, and it is such an accessible game. I love that we used to play Uno too. You can just bring a, a deck of Uno cards anywhere, like on youth group trips, in college. It's very easy to teach somebody to play Uno, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the best things about games is when you can just, it's 
I don't want to say icebreaker, but kind of, you know, like if you have a group of people and you're on a trip, you're waiting for a plane or something for your food to come, doing something like that gives somebody something to do. In fact, I will share one of my husband's memories. So my husband grew up in this very Minnesota family and traditional Scandinavian culture, Minnesota, they play a lot of card games, a lot of card games, games like Pinochle, like that I've never even played and Hearts. I've learned some of them by being around his family. But again, because I grew up in a family that didn't own a deck of cards because it was sinful, we could own Uno cards, but we couldn't own an actual deck of cards. Like that was not okay. But Corey's family played games constantly to the point that he's like, that's what we did at dinner. It was just him, his mom and his sister and dad. So there was just four of them. So they were not a loud family like my family of origin. And so they would play games during dinner. So when I got engaged to him and started, we weren't even dating that long. Like by the time we were engaged, I was being brought into the family. They taught me all of these games, spades and hearts and cribbage that I had to learn. Not, not like had to learn, but it was a great thing that we could do together when people don't want to talk, like when they're not sure what to talk about. Um, like it's awkward just to sit there and look at each other. Like, let's play a game because it wouldn't change for me, at least like in the afternoon, like it's the same. No one's home anymore. Not like during the pandemic when everybody was using Wi-Fi right, during right, the right, day, right. you know? Right, right, right. Okay. But then there are also the games that maybe you didn't enjoy (laughs) (laughs) or that for whatever reason, you just were like, we're not playing that anymore or you lost it. I'm really curious, Rebecca, if you have games like that in your household. Okay. Well, I have a never have I ever, never have I ever played a game of Scrabble. And that is because I struggle with spelling And my dad struggles with spelling, so we didn't have that game in the house. And I think sitting down to play a game that just highlights my inability to spell just sounds like going to the dentist. So I have never, ever in my life played a game of Scrabble, and I have zero intention to ever play it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Scrabble is a game that we also owned when I was, like, growing up. And I would get it out sometimes just because it seemed cool, like just to move the tiles around. But I think I've probably played it twice. It's not fun. It's not my game. Like I remember playing Boggle. Do you remember Boggle? It's another word game, but you don't have to spell like it's where you're. You have to spell. But but it's not like you're having to come up with the words like you're looking at your tiles and thinking, what word can I make with this and with the words? It's a little less complicated. I did play Boggle a lot as a kid, but you're like, you're like cat. (laughs) You, know, you can find small things like that and well, they count. Yeah. Don't doubt that I would struggle even with Boggle. I yeah. think I've only played it like once. It, spelling games. No. Why would I do that? It's supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be entertainment with spelling. I, I agree. <laughs> so that's funny because I bet neither of us play Wordle. Oh, OK. I do play Wordle. You do? OK. Yes. And here's the story as to why. Because I was annoyed by all these like blocks, colored blocks showing up in my Facebook, people (laughs) sharing about Wordle. I'm like, what is this? This is an oh, it's a spelling game. No, I'm not. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it. I will not do it. But the first time that I played, I put in my first guess. I had like two letters that were somewhat right. I don't remember exactly. I am like, okay, 
I'm going to hate this. This is terrible. Why am I doing this to myself? I put in my second word and I got it right. And I was like, I am amazing. (laughs) I am a genius. This is the best game in the world. And ever since then, I've been hooked. So, yes, I am playing Wordle. But I sometimes I really, really struggle. And only because of my streak do I plow through. But sometimes it's a source of great joy. Other times it's a source of great frustration. Yeah. But another game that I was always discouraged by my friends to get was Shoots and Ladders. They Uh warned me that that one is the worst because just when you think that someone finally is going to win, they fall down a shoot. And so I avoided getting it for my kids. I never like bought it for them. I never requested it as a gift from grandparents. And then my son Noah won it through the summer library reading program. <sighs> Shoots and ladders, man. That's one that it's just no good. It's no good. It's just friend, no good. <laughs> my friend's hack is everything goes up. That's her hack. They change the way they play and everything goes up. <laughs> That's good. I remember playing Shoots and Ladders as a kid and I dutifully got it when my oldest kids were little. And then I was like, why am I doing this to myself? This is an awful game. It's so tedious and it just seems to make everybody unhappy because if one person gets a good ladder, then the other person is, oh, that's not fair. And then it's it never ended with people being like, that was fun. It usually <laughs> ended with somebody throwing the game or somebody in a timeout And I'm like, this is miserable. Why are we doing this to ourselves? So that game got lost. We had games that they would go missing, like Hungry Hungry Hippo, which I loved as a kid. And somebody, I don't know, again, if somebody gave it to us, if I bought it, if we wanted it, something like you just said, Rebecca. But Hungry Hungry Hippo is so loud. And I'm not even a sensory person in our household. Like there are other people here who are much more triggered by loud chaotic noises like that game but after about two weeks I was like yeah we're done with that and similarly operation which is a fun classic game for people who have sensory issues or anxiety it is (laughs) not a great game (laughs) because that noise of the the alarm going every time you touch something like yeah if we, you're afraid to fail in life baby playing <laughs> operation is not the game for you or if you just don't like loud sudden noises that jar you not a good game so yeah that was another game that we bought and quickly got rid of i would say that the only game that really and this wasn't even banned but i just remember growing up we would play a lot of sorry And it's a pretty classic board game. It's a lot like Parcheesi, Trouble and Parcheesi. Like there's a lot of games that are like this, right? Where you're trying to get four of your little tokens around a board back to home. And my brother would laugh about this now, but he did not like it when people bumped him, which is part of the game, right? He would get so mad. Every game ended with him literally throwing the board. Like he would put his hands over and go, stupid. And he would storm out. (laughs) So I don't know why my parents kept that game. Maybe this is like that emotional regulation piece where you're like, well, this is a learning opportunity. But I don't know. When I'm sitting down to play a game with my kids, I'm not like, I can't wait for this learning opportunity. I'm only laughing so hard because it is so relatable that we have all been either the person who flips the board or or the sibling sitting next to the person who flips the board. Or the parent who was like, why? Why did I <laughs> why am do I doing this? this? 
we can learn emotional regulation other ways. I don't have to force it up on them because it was in my household. It was my younger sister was super sensitive and didn't like to bump other people. So she wouldn't bump other people. Meanwhile, my brother is bumping everybody. And if he had to get bumped, the game was over. So that's what I remember from Sorry. So like, I've never bought that game for my family. I was like emotionally scarred. Like, emotional damage. Isn't that what exactly. the sound Emotional damage. Exactly. <laughs> I think that we did have trouble at one point, which is also very annoying and loud, you know, like the, with a little popper in the middle. Hey, listen, trouble's on my list of games that I love that I'm recommending. Okay. Okay. Well, I will say I'm not a fan of the popper, although it is cool. It's cool for kids like to try it that way. And yeah, we also like I feel like there's a Chinese checkers version that's a lot like a trouble. So or and and sorry, I feel like my kids have gotten the experience of playing that kind of game without me having to revisit trauma up on myself. So, (laughs) yeah. So let's talk about games that we like then as I mean, for especially little and younger kids like that's let's break it up that way. It's kind of an ages and stages sort of thing. So younger, like preschool, elementary, and then we can talk about like older kids, all ages, family sorts of stuff. What are some of your favorite games for those little ones, Rebecca? Sure. Well, I'll start with Trouble since we're there. My family went through a phase where we played Trouble so much. I don't know what happened. It was like this sweet spot of like the age of my older two kids and then also like engaged well with the adult mind. We played it so much. I'm not kidding. I injured myself. Like my shoulder started hurting. It's again, like what you were describing, you move these tokens around, you try to get all your tokens into like home before everybody else. You can bump people. And instead of rolling a dice or like drawing cards, there is this dome popper thing that you like press down on. And then when it releases, it aggravates a dice on the inside right so, so it's like rolling a dice but you can't lose the dice and yes you don't you have just to roll press it. on this mm-hmm. thing so we were doing so much pressing that i injured myself my daughter injured herself <laughs> she was like constantly like rotating her wrists okay I was like, why are you always doing that she's like i don't know but she was like constantly like rotating like throughout the day i would just observe her like rotating she was just like irritated there in her wrist Well, guess what? As soon as we stopped playing Trouble, that issue went away. My son Noah was homesick one day from school and we were playing Trouble. I don't think I'm ever going to forget the vision of him kind of like sprawled on the dining room table, too weak to aggravate, to press down (laughs) on the Trouble. That's sad. To do it himself. It was so sad. I was like, oh, buddy. Maybe we need to move to the couch once trouble's like too hard for you to do. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're really in trouble. But I will say that we as a family went through a phase where that was like our number one game that we really, really liked. Another classic game that I truly love and everybody's going to roll their eyes because, of course, you do. It's Candyland. Like, yeah, everybody has to own Candyland. If you are a new parent and you don't have Candyland, you got to get it. And I will also say, if it's been a long time since you've had Candyland and you've played and you feel like your kids are too old for it, pull it out and make up some hard rules. I was playing Candyland with my 13-year-old the other day because Isaac is in this phase where he's always wanting to play Candyland. So I've played a ton of Candyland. And I was like, I want to mix this up. 
Grace, how about you and I play? And then we made some extra rules to make it harder. So if you can't share a space with somebody, if you land there, the person who was already there gets bumped back 20 spaces. We made more spaces be sticky that you get stuck there. Oh, and that's you have fun. to draw certain cards. Make up some kind of weird rules like that and just spice it up a little bit. And then lastly, oh, and one thing I'll say about that emotional intelligence that you are working to generate in your kids with games Candyland's a good one for that because, again, you have that element of surprise of you never know when you're going to draw one of those picture cards and get sent way back towards the beginning of the game. Isaac was furious. He would hate it, so devastated when he would have to move back or when I would advance really, really far. And so we came up with this phrase to try to teach him to, like, hold on to some hope. I say, you never know what can happen in Candyland. And it just became like our anthem. You never know what can happen in Candyland. And sure enough, just when you think somebody's about to win, they get sent all the way back and the loser of the pack ends up winning the game because you never know what can happen in Candyland. That's so funny. <laughs> and it's going to end up being one of those life phrases. He's going to mm-hmm. put it in the book that he writes someday. It's going to be called that. You never know what can happen in Candyland and other life lessons. Okay, and I have one last little kid game. And this is for like really, really little kids. And it is called Zingo. And I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. Do do you play Zingo? Yes, I love Zingo. And in fact, that's one of the games like we've gotten rid of. I don't think we own can. We may still own Candyland because I kind of feel that it's the yin yang to Shoots and Ladders. Like I think I bought Candyland and Shoots and Ladders together because they were such classic games but I would much, much rather play Candyland, even though I still want to kind of claw my eyeballs out because it takes so freaking long. There's no way to like strategize your way to get it over with, because again, my patience with games is short, but absolutely Candyland over Shoots and Ladders. I'm with you there. But Zingo is, it's like a bingo, right? So I'll let you explain it, but I feel like it's so friendly for lots of ages and stages to play together that I think I kept it. Mm, Yeah. It's like a really good game for that, like early preschool age. And yeah, you can bring in an older kid and it keeps their attention. So you have like a bingo card, but instead of it having letters or numbers on it, it's all images. And then there's these tiles that sit in this little device that dispense the tiles. And it's kind of a race to fill up your bingo card. So it'll dispense two tiles and then you look and see, well, because the images are also on the tiles. So from the two tiles that are dispensed, do you need any of those? And if you do, the first person to snatch it up gets to put it on their bingo card. And then whoever fills their bingo card first wins. Right. And it's super simple. And I feel like that was a game that my kids played a lot with grandparents Um, Because it was just kind of fun because there is that less violent than spoons element of like, who can grab it first? And I think like as a parent or a grandparent, sometimes you're like, oh, I can see that they really they need a win at this moment. You know what I mean? Like they haven't gotten anything good in a while. And so you're like, oh, I was going to get that owl. Oh, no, you got the owl. Ah," You know, and so then they're really happy. So it's a nice game to manipulate. And I would say my priority with all games is can you control how long it's going to go? So I really like games like Zingo where you can be like, I will play two cards. Like we will play two cards rounds and then I've got to do something else, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so you can be with your kids, but it's not going to turn into a candy land where 
you've been playing for an hour and no one is closer and people keep getting <laughs> sent hour. back. Yes. I would play like that long and I'd be like, I'm done. I'm just done. I can't focus on this <laughs> that much longer. Like we just have to be over. Oh, look, look over there. There's something else. Let's go do something else. Let's make cookies. I feel like my, when I started to think about favorite kid games, some of my favorite kid games aren't, they're like still available out there, but they're more expensive or they're not as popular as they used to be, which makes me sad because I love some of these games. So my very number one favorite kids game is Cranium's Hullabaloo. You can still get this, but it is more expensive because lots of times you're buying it like secondhand or somewhere. So if you can find it on Facebook Marketplace or in a thrift store, something like that, snatch it up. It is a game that is, again, for young kids and it is an active game. It comes with like little things that you put on the ground that have colors, shapes, and a character on them. And you get to put them out on the ground in an area, like in a room, using whatever space you have. And then there is an announcer box that calls out like what you're supposed to be on. So you need to get on to, everybody needs to get on a square. And so, but then you're also, your left hand needs to be on a yellow. So it's kind of like Twister in that sense of you're kind of like all trying to reach for things, but you're also learning color shapes and other musical instruments, other things that are on there. So it's just really fun. And it plays probably, I don't know, five or six different, maybe even eight things. And at the end, it will just be like, whoever's touching the, this thing wins the game. So there's no way for you to know who's touching or even when the game ends. The voice box decides, is this a three round or is, are we going to go for 12? And then I'm going to call it. So it was a nice game again for getting wiggles out when kids are really bouncy, because sometimes it'll be like, we're going to take a break. And it will be like, everybody do a dance break or jump on one foot. You know, it it has all these silly little commands, which I think is really fun for kids to see their parents doing these things. But it was just really a nice active game. Instead of sitting at a table and playing a game, it was something that we did together that involved movement. And that's why I loved it. Another game you can still get, it feels like it's expensive for what it is, but it's called Elephant. And it is a little elephant that has a fan in it. So maybe it's expensive because it's got like the batteries and stuff, you know, mechanics Mm -hmm. in it. And the trunk of the elephant blows up like one of those like wavy people in the car parking lots. So it has air in it that blows this elephant's trunk up and it has tiny little butterflies inside that will slowly blow out of the elephant's trunk and everybody has a little net and you try to catch butterflies as it comes out. Okay, I think I have heard of that, but I've never played. What a cute game. (laughs) It's super cute. And again, I think especially for preschoolers, like the goal, of course, is to catch the most butterflies. But they're floating all over and like sometimes like five will come out and then you're waiting for one to come out for a little while. It was just a really fun game to involve movement that wasn't super competitive and it could be short. Like you could play you just a couple times and it would be good. Kids could play together because who cares? Or you could, yeah, play for longer if you wanted to. And again, like grandparents could do it. Like it was just a great preschool game. But For that elementary age, again, Cranium makes a game called Balloon Lagoon, and it is like, how do I say, if you've ever played the actual game Cranium where it has like different tasks that you're going to be doing, 
you could be making a little object out of clay or you could be answering a trivia question. It's kind of like that idea, but it's for younger kids. So you have, it sets itself up as like a little amusement park or a fair, and you have four different little worlds where you're going to play with your kids. And some of them involve trying to match a spelling word. Like you might have a little thing where you're spinning some blocks and you're trying to, like you have a word in front of you that's been assigned like cat or bowl. I mean, they're all short and you're spinning the blocks until you get those letters. You have a time limit for everything. So can you get your letters as you know, like, so you first you get a C, so you stop spinning that block and then you're trying to spin to get to the A. Mm -hmm. So there's like muscle coordination, there's matching, there's colors. One of them is just, it's got little plastic frogs that you are trying to hop into a bucket. Um, so it's just, it's like coordination. Yeah, it, it was just super fun. And your goal is for everything you get right, and you don't have to win, like if you got two of the letters of your word, but not all three, you still get two balloons. And so you're trying to fill up all of your balloons. So it was just really fun. And it involved just a little bit of education in the sense of letter recognition, colors, matching, because one of the other games was you had dice that you were trying to match the same. I think it was like the concession stand. So how many times can you get double popcorn? But it was fun. It did feel a little bit like you're playing at an amusement park. The music that they have for it for the timer is like, you know, yeah. The goal wasn't to beat other people as much as just to do well yourself. Like oh. eventually somebody does win, right? You're like, you got the most balloons whenever you're going to stop playing. But your goal is just to be like, can I beat myself? Can I do better next time? How many balloons did I get? And everybody can cheer for you because them winning doesn't really take away anything from you. You can win just as many balloons next time, if that makes sense. So that was a really fun win. And then I would say these days, so I, I have a sixth grader. I don't know. He's technically in middle school. That's my youngest. I don't have as many little kids anymore. But the game that he likes to play the most, he's a super big game person, is Connect 4 by 4 I have never played any of these games that you're talking about. Kelly. See, isn't that weird? <laughs> I think that's what I mean. There are so many games out there. So Connect 4 by 4 is like Connect 4. So have yeah, you played, played Connect 4? Connect 4 by 4 is very similar, except that it has... Instead of just it being one area that you're playing on, it's got two areas. So it's like a 3D version of Connect Four. So you're trying to connect four on several planes at the same time. And it's not just one tiles. You do have the single tiles that you drop in, just like with Connect Four. But you also, some of your tiles are double tiles. It goes on both sides. So it's like the same game, but... Again, adding a second dimension. So you have to think about it differently and you have to be more on guard for the other person because any way they connect for across the planes still can help them win. So it's just adding a layer of difficulty to a game that's familiar. So it's a great step up. Like if you've played Connect Four, if your kids like Connect Four, but you're like, it's kind of gotten too easy. It's like tic-tac-toe. Like we all know how this is going to go. Like you're going to go here. I'm going to block you here. You're going to go here. I'm going to block you here. And then blah, we're done. Connect Four by Four is a great alternative to kind of kick it up a notch. Great. Do you have anything else? No, I think those are my kid games. Although I'm super curious to hear what the awesomes are going to have to say to add to this list to talk about games for that kind of younger set. We're going to have even more games, though, to talk about games that you can play with your older kids, games you can play as a whole family or with cross generations right after these messages. 
Awesomes, if you know our show, you know that we are obsessed with Thrive Cosmetics and have been for a while now. Not only do they make incredible makeup, like their Liquid Lash Extension Mascara, brownish black shade to be exact, but Cause is in the name for a reason. Every purchase from Thrive Cosmetics supports organizations that help women thrive. Thrive Cosmetics' message is incredible and inspiring. For every mascara, eye brightener, lip gloss purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and more. Plus, the makeup is stunning. These are high-performance beauty and skincare products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. That means no parabens, sulfates, or phthalates. It's certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Two of our favorites? One has to be the ultra-lengthening mascara that mimics the look of lash extensions without damaging glue or expensive salon prices. Or try the eye brightener, which helps us look like we've had plenty of restful sleep, even if we haven't. It's a vibrant, well-rested look in 13 shimmering shades. Now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com awesome. That's Thrive Cosmetics, which is spelled C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash awesome for 15% off your first order. Awesomes, let's be real. I think we can all probably up our fruit and veggie game. It is just too hard to get in your daily amount of fruits and veggies because, I'll say it, donuts are delicious. Cereal is delicious. A simple slice of toast is delicious. Carbs are delicious. But this year, I'm trying to change that, and that's why I'm keeping my freezer stocked with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is the easiest way to get more fruits and veggies into my everyday, every day. They have my back with delicious food that's good for me and good for the planet. Daily Harvest delivers delicious harvest bowls, flatbreads, smoothies, and more, all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door, and it conveniently stays fresh in your freezer. Daily Harvest takes literally minutes to prepare and never uses preservatives, added sugar, or artificial anything. And that goes for everything. They have so many delicious options for every time of the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, or even a snack. Daily Harvest has you covered. I don't even know which bowl to mention. I love them all. The red lentil and cumin harvest bowl, incredible. The sweet potato and wild rice hash, ah, oh, amazing. I'll eat anything from Daily Harvest, to be honest. Daily Harvest is all about preserving and protecting the earth for current and future generations to come. From their recyclable and compostable packaging to investing in organic farming practices and reducing food waste, you can feel good about the choices you're making physically and for the environment. Daily Harvest just makes it easy to feel good about what I'm doing for myself and the planet. Go to dailyharvest.com awesome to get up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com awesome for up to $40 off your first box. dailyharvest.com awesome. Awesomes, as many of you know, this is the time of the great reshuffle when a record number of employees are considering switching jobs myself included. <laughs> if you are an employer, now is your chance to try to attract new people. LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you connect with the people you want to interview faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs is so simple. You can post screening questions, keywords to help you find people for your job, and talk to candidates right away. Plus, you know, you can see the occasional cute animal video on your LinkedIn feed. 
Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the perfect people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash awesome to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, awesomes. One more set of games. Let's talk about the games that we play with our older kids or that we liked to play when we were older kids or games that we play as a family. Rebecca, do you want to start? Sure. So my first one is one that I've been talking about a lot recently. It was my awesome of the week and episode 353 and it is Quirkle. Oh, yes. Man, when sometimes I, something about the Hoffer family. When we get on a, like a game kick, we go hard until finally nobody wants to ever play that game again in their life. And we were in a really big Quirkle stage. It's really a simple game, good for like multi-generations, I think. And you can play with lots of players. It's recommended to four, but I think you can play with more than that. And it comes with this bag of tiles and the tiles all have different shapes on them and different colors. And then the goal is to just kind of make a sequence of, you know, red square with red triangle with red diamond. And then like you build off of that. It's a real visual game and it's kind of hard to describe. I highly recommend looking it up. After you take your turn, you earn a certain number of points for every round that you play. And then whoever has the most points at the end wins. And you just play until you run out of tiles or, you know, if you have to cut it short you can stop whenever but it's mostly it's like a visual game so there's no reading involved it's just like trying to build off of what other people lay down with their tiles I really really like it it's like my favorite thing right now yeah I love Quirkle I'm so glad because I somehow didn't have that on my list which is funny because it's also one of my favorite games when my kids will say what game will you play mom like If I'm saying I don't want to play life, I don't have that much time. I definitely don't have enough time for Monopoly. But Quirkle, you can play. And again, this is a great game to play with people who maybe don't know it because it's super easy to teach. You're matching colors or shapes and we build out from there. There's really not like a ton of rules that you need to know. You can really learn as you play. It's so accessible. And I think that's what I love about it. Plus, like you because the tiles come in a bag, like we just often schlep them around with us on a trip. I feel like the best part, and you disagreed with me on this when I said this on the show before, but I feel like the best part is that it's not super competitive in the way that there's nobody on the offense or on the defense. Yes. No, I agree with that. Yeah. You can just play without it being like, oh, this this is someone so is gaining up on me. It's kind of how I feel. Absolutely. No, I do agree with that. I think what I said, we don't keep points lots of times. If I'm just playing with like my kids, we just kind of play to see how many tiles we can get out there. Like we notice when somebody goes, oh, you got a quirkle, like which is the way you get the most points. But we just haven't bothered to be like, okay, that's like to do the math, basically. 
But yeah, no, I agree. I think it's one of those games that is more collaborative than it is competitive. And so it's easier to, I will say this, lots of times when you're playing a game and you're playing, especially if you have kids and you're playing with a kid group, um, one of those games that you need to build relationships between your kids and like the siblings, this is a good game. Because like you said, it's not going to be a game that you, you can't really pick on somebody like you can in some games. So yeah, I, I agree with that. So I have a game, my very favorite game that we're playing the most right now is called Awkward Moments. So we have a lot of games that are all in the version of apples to apples. So that's the most kid-friendly version. There's lots of games like this where it gives you a situation and then everybody has cards. They have to play the card that they think matches the situation. And it's usually kind of hilarious. So that's how apples to apples works. Same idea here with awkward moments. It's meant to be kind of like when you're a teenager, especially a young teen, that's where they get in these awkward moments. Like you spill your lunch all over the front of you at school. Like one of these cringe sort of things that especially the adults were all like, I think that happened to me, (laughs) you know? And then the kind of fun part about it is that everybody has reactions that they're going to say, like, what is my reaction to that? But then you also have a separate card that says what type of reaction it's supposed to be. Like, give me your funniest reaction or give me your most realistic reaction or give me the thing that you think your mom would want you to do. So you're also like, that's the twist in it. It's not just what you think is the best card. You have to play to the type of card that the game is asking you for. And then just like in Apple Staples or other games like this, like uh, Cards Against Humanity is <laughs> the adult version of this. The person, everybody puts in a card except for one person who's the judge and they get all the cards. They theoretically don't know who's played what. They read them out loud. People sometimes make a case for a card, you know, like maybe that would give them away, but maybe not. Maybe you're like, oh, that's funny. And then they vote. And then that person, whoever's cards they choose, that person who put that card in, they get a point. So I think that the easy thing about it, again, very low threshold for rules. It's very easy to get people to play. And the best thing is for this like tween age group is it's funny. And because it's kind of aimed at that age group, a lot of the reactions are things that they understand. So it's, you know, like pulling things from Taylor Swift songs or, you know, things that are like pop culture references, even TikTok sorts of dances like what I would do is this. So they get it. They feel like they're being seen. And of course, the circumstances are every middle schooler's worst nightmare sorts of things, you know, like what's going to happen to you. So it's really fun to play cross-generationally. We have played this game several times with our best friends. Like, so we have a lot of different ages and stages of kids who have known each other a long time. And it's always, we always end up like cry laughing at some point in the game, you know, with one of those things where you can't really explain it to somebody else. Like the time that Isaac said, it's huge, like, like President Trump would. Like we all now say that, like we, we can't say it. Or there was one card that the reaction was get thee to a library. We're like, what? What? But he said it like he was like, get thee to a library. Like he was a character in a Monty Python or something. It was just really fun. So it's one of those kind of it makes inside jokes because of the. What's it called again? It's called Awkward Moments. OK, I want to put that one on my list. That you should. Sounds, or like on my wish list. That one sounds really good. It is. It's not expensive and it's just a deck of cards. Right. So it's also easy to bring. I think this is a game that maybe I know I've talked about on Sort of Awesome before, but I wonder if you talked about it too, Rebecca. Ravine. OK, so Ravine is another great game that is more about cooperation than competition. The idea and it's I think it's funny. The people who started it, I think they started it on like a crowdfund 
site. You know, like a lot of games start that way, it seems like these days, because people can have a great idea. They can take it out to people and get it sold without having to, you know, take it to a major game maker like you know, play school or Hasbro or somebody. And then of course it gets picked up. So Ravine is the idea that you and your friends have survived a plane crash on a small Island like survivor, but now you have to survive the night. So you have to work together to forage for food, like make fire, build shelters, but also every time like it flips from day to night, Nighttime is when bad things happen. So daytime is like when you try to work together a little bit to be like, can we gather food? Can we build a shelter that like how many people can fit under our shelter? And then nighttime happens and you draw a card and it might be like nothing happens tonight, but it might be there's a horrible storm and all of your food is washed away. So now you have to give all your food back. Or there was an animal that got in and you have like health, little health tokens that you can restore by eating food or by being healed but as you lose tokens, like once you get down to one token, you're, you're very, very close to death. You start to go crazy. So there's a whole separate deck of cards that are like you're losing your mind. And so like you can't if you don't have enough food every time it's nighttime, you have to draw a card and you have to do something crazy. So it'll be like what you need to do is get up and stand behind somebody and act like they're you're pulling stuff out of their hair like a monkey until they ask you to stop. And so you like have to stand up and be like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> so it's really funny because you don't know what's everybody, in there. Yeah, does everybody know what card you, that person pulls? No, not at that point. Like, well, you, they know that you've pulled a card that, you know, like that means just something crazy is going to happen, but they don't always know what you're going to do. Or like you have to stand up and like do a dance for 30 seconds. So I think, again, kids love playing this with their parents or grandparents or an adult because you're like, okay, now I'm going to stand up and be stupid for a minute. Because they just love that, right? That's funny for them. But it's funny for everybody. And at least when we've played, we have really tried to help each other to make it through the night. Of course, you could end up playing like, <laughs> like I have food I could give you, but I'm not going to give it to you because you're one step away from death. And I think it would be easier. So maybe if you have people who are really mad at each other, it's not a good game. But for the most part, it seems to engender like, I want to help. We want to help the team right? We're all in this together. The other nice thing about it is that you get to decide how many nights you're going to try to survive. So you can draw a card that just says like you've been rescued, but otherwise you can say like, let's play through three day and night cycles and then we'll see who's alive and who's not. And that's the end of the game. Um, Or we can play through seven. You win by surviving Mm -hmm. the set amount of time that you. Right. And again, people don't really win over somebody else because the whole idea is, do you survive until you get rescued? So if you're alive, when they come, you've won. If you're not, then you've lost. It's a really fun game. It does have a lot more rules. You know, so like explaining it to people, it takes more time to set up. But once you know, you know. What about you? Well, my next one is called Most Likely To. And it is a simple card game meant to inspire a lot of fun conversation And it's a really good one for travel. I went on vacation with some friends and a friend brought this along and we were just lounging around the pool and we played a couple rounds of this. There are some different versions. So I would advise looking for it's called most likely to kind of clean family edition. Okay. Just 14 plus because there was a lot of inappropriate cards that we chose to pull out that were like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, we're holding this one back. So Look for the Kind of Clean Family Edition. It is great for big groups. And 
what you do is you just take turns having somebody who like reads off a card and it says something like, I should have thought through this before. I, started <laughs> I know you're it. always like, I, it makes so much sense to me, but what are the exact words? <laughs> well, it's like different scenarios of like, this person is most likely to talk themselves out of getting a speeding ticket. Okay. Something like that. And so then the group nominates the person through discussion that they think that card is most likely to apply to. And the first person to get seven cards loses and the game is over. So you don't want the cards. You want to kind of push back and say, no, it's actually this person. Other examples of the cards could be something like most likely to get lost in the woods because they refuse to ask for directions. This person acts poor. I won that one <laughs> on vacation. What? And I was like, I what? Acts poor? You know, I'm so frugal and I hate spending money. Everybody was like, hands down, Rebecca, that one is all you. And there was like no discussion. Like I didn't even get to fight back because everybody was like, Rebecca, (laughs) she's the one that acts poor out of the group. I'm like, okay. That's so funny. (laughs) So it's lots of just like really, really random things. And I can see it being really good for like a group of cousins on mm-hmm. like a family reunion type of scenario or like Christmas, you know, weekend or something, Thanksgiving, you know, you're sitting around. It's like a sit around and kind of like maybe poke fun at people. Yes. Game. But I will advise that there was some cards that we opted not to do, not just because they were maybe inappropriate, but because we're like, oh, this is going to hurt people's feelings. Like right. the one card was who's most likely to give off a terrible first impression. And we we're like, oh, we are not. <laughs> we, I, I think we might be feeling a little sensitive about this one. We're not going to answer this one. Right. Yeah. That feels like it could really harm some friendships. So do you- were you playing the like slightly clean version though, or was no, no, we were yeah, not. So we maybe the, it would be better. Yeah, we had the original version, and the original version and the clean version has some crossover in cards. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend like getting both. I think I would just opt for the cleaner version. There would be more cards that you would probably feel comfortable using in a variety of circumstances. So again, that is called most likely to kind of clean family edition. So another thing that I have that is not a traditional board game. So I don't know. You might veto this as like a good game option. But and I feel like I talked about this on the podcast before. But last spring, I did a downtown scavenger hunt for my kids and their cousins. We had teenage cousins come over to our house. We broke down into two different teams and we went downtown. We live in like a like a small town. We went to downtown and I gave each team a list of things to find downtown and take pictures of. I am telling you, this was so much fun. It got people outside and moving and it was so easy to put together. You have people coming over to your house for like a birthday party or like, I don't know, just like any kind of random play date with like maybe some older kids. You should really try pulling this together. It was not difficult. All you do is make a list of a whole bunch of random things that you feel like people could find downtown. Things that you know that they're going to be able to find, like a sign with store hours on it. If you know you're downtown, like maybe something specific, like a pizza shop or goodness sakes, a stoplight, something like that. And then things are a little bit more luck. And so something like, say, a yellow car, somebody walking a dog. 
I had on the list, it was spring, but I had on the list Christmas lights. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Pumpkin. <laughs> and you know what? We found them all. <laughs> you know, just like random things like that. Stuffed animal. It's going to vary based off of your downtown or where you go, but you could also do it at a park and say, you know, a squirrel, an acorn, you know, a rock bigger than your hand. And then everybody has to take pictures. You know, if they pull out their smartphone or whatever, you take pictures and then you have a set amount of time and everybody has to be back at the meeting area before that time is done. And whichever team had found the most things was able to cross off the most things that team wins. I love that so much. And in fact, so Taylor had her birthday in January and it's not a great time for birthdays, even in a regular year in Minnesota to like have a party. But this year it was like right in the middle of the Omicron surge. So we have said that we are going to try to have like a postponed birthday party for her, like at the end of the school year before everybody goes on to summer break and it's hard to get in contact with people. That's what I'm going to do, Rebecca. That would be so much fun. And she's at a great age, you know, because obviously you're not going to send a group of five-year-olds loose in a downtown, although they could do a park. Like if you could see them all, like if it was a, a nice big playground area, you know, they might have fun with that. But like that is so fun. We used to do scavenger hunts like that again when I was a youth group leader in different versions. But I just think that probably some of those old youth groupy sorts of games, you know, youth group has changed from how it was when I was a kid, like what they do. And so a lot of that stuff has been just lost. And so my kids aren't even aware that this is something that, you know, a previous generation grew up doing. And so they would probably think it's really fun. I love that idea. Yeah, I think just spend even five minutes brainstorming a list of things that you think you can for sure find and possibly find in a downtown type of area or some other type of location, maybe a mall or something like that. And you're going to come up with a list longer than you expect, I think. It's really not difficult to pull together, and it has a lot of high-energy fun to it. Speaking of random games like that, I can't remember the name of the game. What was it called? This is, again, like a youth group sort of thing where you would take some small thing to a house and ask them to trade up and you would see what was that game called? Do you know that game? Yeah. You like start with a paperclip or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's called, though. Okay, have a name. I thought it had a name, something like something garbage to something, but probably has many different names. But that's a really fun one, too. I just don't know how people today would react to like. Groups of kids showing up at the doorstep and being like, I have a pad of paper. (laughs) Will you trade me something bigger than this? And you're like, people would always come back with some like a couch. You know, like we had people come back with you because people go, oh, I've had this thing sitting in my garage. I don't know what to do with here. You could have it. So it was fun. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that one would be. Everybody has like ring cameras on their porch and they do not answer the door. (laughs) So I I can't see that going over quite as well. Well, especially with teenagers. You know, I think sometimes people are like, I'm not answering that. I don't know what's going on out there. One last game that I will recommend is the game Tenzi. And I know for sure I've talked about this before on the podcast. It's a classic, like it's a simple dice game. And it can be played with multiple ages, big groups of people. All you need is everybody needs 10 dice. So there's the actual game that you can purchase from Amazon or Target or wherever where there's different colors of dice, but everybody needs, is it 10? Maybe it's only eight. It might just be eight. Or it should be 10 because I was gonna say, it's called Tenzi. <laughs> I would think it's, I would think there's 10, unless you're trying to get 10 points. That's what I was like. I, I don't no, know. I'm, I'm pretty the game. sure it's 10. <laughs> it's 10. So it's a rolling of the dice game and you can set up different types of scenarios. Like the first person to roll all ones. So you do, a, you shake your dice, you let them rip, 
And then if you get a one, you set that one aside. And then you gather up the other nine and then you try again. And you keep going, setting aside and then re-rolling until you get all ones. The first person to get all ones yells out tensy. And you can do it with all kinds of different things. You can say the first person to get five fives and five sixes, they win. And, you know, there's even, I think, like booklets that you can buy that have all kinds of different crazy scenarios of different types of combinations of things that you can look for. Or we've done it a little bit more physical of we have a loop in our house that you can kind of run in because of the layout of the home. So we were playing with cousins at the dining room table and we're like, okay, after you keep a dice, if you're rolling and then you keep one before you roll again, you have to run the loop and come back. I and love then you it. Can roll, <laughs> and then you can roll again. And so if you're not getting any that you want, you just stand there and you just keep rolling and keep rolling. But then as soon as you keep one in order to Roll again. You got a quick run. Oh, I just hit myself. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of arm motions. Awesome. You can only imagine. We're like, woo. Yes. You have to run in a circle and maybe hit the glasses on the way back. Yeah, exactly. So you can play it so calm and so simple, just all sitting around the table. Or you can do things like you got to jump up and down like 10 times and then do this. And you got to touch your nose and pat your neighbor's head like you can just make up any kind of crazy scenario that you want and again it's a quick round like everybody's speeding to play as quick as they can because they want to be the first one so you can play just like two rounds of it and be like okay well people are cranky now is not the time or you can play for like an hour like it's just as much or as little as you want And again that game is called tenzi there's official games out there but really all you need is a whole bunch of dice Okay, I have to mention one last one as well that's kind of like that. It's And we've talked about it before. It's I call it Nerds, but it's got some other names. I feel like there was another name that you knew it by, Rebecca. It's basically everybody needing their own deck of cards, although there is, you can find like Nerds games now, just like you said, like Tenzi, really all you need are dice, but you can go out if you don't have enough decks of cards for every person or you want to play the official version of Nerds. The idea is that each person that's playing has a deck of cards And you're kind of playing solitaire, except that when you put your ace out, it goes out into the middle and anybody can play on that ace of whatever it might be. So you're looking confused. So maybe you haven't played this. It sounds maybe a little bit like Dutch Blitz. Yes. No, I think that might have been what you called it. And this is the thing about Nerds is I feel like just like with Tenzi, there are lots of different versions of the game. Like so how we learned to play years ago from a good friend and kind of like when you were saying this is bringing it full circle, like your family playing spoons. It was this like crazy, almost violent thing. We played Nerds with our like young marrieds group in San Diego. It was one of my friend, Aaron, who taught us all how to play just like playing solitaire, except that you have also we would play like 10 cards in a nerds pile. You're trying to get rid of those cards as well as get cards out to play. And so she had the funniest stories about her family of origin because you can kind of play with as many people as can fit around a table and as many decks of cards as you have. So it's nice for, you can play with three people. Two is a little boring, but I've done it. But three to 12, like if you can get enough people to play, you know, like room around the table to keep playing, because the more aces you have out, the quicker it goes. You know, so someone's like, oh, I need that two of hearts. I'm throwing that out. And then somebody else has got the three. And you're like, I had the three. Shoot, I missed it. So you're watching your own cards. You're also watching other people's. You're always flipping through. It's high pace. And yet, like you said, you know, you could play one round and be done. And it might go really fast. Like somebody might just like whip through their nerds pile and call the game and it's over. It's a really hard game to sit and play. Like I can't really even sit. Like I have to stand because it just feels like there's so much nervous energy. 
And I think everybody in our family knows how to play. We have, I don't know how many decks of cards we have at this point, because for a while it was so popular with our friend group. Everywhere we went, we would just collect a deck of cards because at the end of the game, you have to give everybody's cards back to them. So you have to have, everybody has to have their own. So we have all these random I don't know. We probably have 24 decks of cards at this point. So that wow. People... And you grew up in a home where you couldn't have even one. And look at you now, Kelly. <laughs> Big sinner. Big. Huge. <laughs> but it is the funnest game. And again, like we just played, my sister and her kids were like, oh, we also love nerds. And I was like, how do we not know that? So we started to play with them around Christmas and they play slightly different than we do. Like it's not a full version of Solitaire, like where you have cards that or underneath other cards. So really, I was even like, if people want to learn, we could do like a Facebook Live and show you like my version and I could show you how to play. But at the same time, there's so many out there. There's so many you know, YouTube videos that you could play. I just think it's such a fun game. Almost everybody like can play or Kieran at age 11 also, just because of his personality gets really nervous. Like he gets so excited during the game and he's like, oh, oh, that he kind of doesn't like to play. He wants to play with somebody like he wants them to like be moving the cards around and he'll be like, you're four, you're four, play that. You're like, because it's it, there's so many things going on at the same time. It makes him like, I don't know, like feel all jacked up. I kind of get it, obviously, because I have to stand during the game, too. It sounds so much like Dutch Blitz, which is like the Mennonite version. Yes. Well, but what would be different? You know, like, <laughs> well, you don't play with a deck of cards, like a deck of oh. like regular playing cards. They have pictures on them of a plow. Oh, I am so horrified right now. A horse and buggy. (laughs) Well, hold on a second. I've heard the name Dutch Blitz, Rebecca, but I just thought it was, you know, like a game. I thought it was a game that people played with regular playing cards. I didn't know it was like a game specifically for and about the Dutch. (laughs) Yeah, I'm seeing it right now, you guys. It has it has like water pump. I think is one of the types of cards oh, my word. and they're different colors. So it's like, it's different, but it's also, it's also the same. the same. And in college, in college, because I'm that Mennonite, we would play full contact Dutch Blitz with like life size <laughs> playing cards. Wow. And you would have to like run across the room to like lay them down. You'd play as a team. That sounds fun. That was, yeah, we used to play. So when we first learned to play nerds, we have this big memory of a Thanksgiving that we hosted and my youngest brother flew in with a friend and one of my good like youth group friends, he and his wife, they were in LA going to school. So they came down. So we had a house full of people and we started to play nerds after Thanksgiving dinner. And we literally played until like 1am and got up the next morning and just kept playing. Like we played for two days straight sort of a thing. And this was, and Corey is really, really good at this game, like annoyingly so. So for him, and again, you can do this. It's one of those adaptable games. We just kept making him add more cards to his nerds pile. Like we all played with 10, but we're like, you need 20. And then we were like, nope, he's still winning. So now you have to play with one hand behind your back at all times. Like you can't play with your both hands. And then after a while, we just kicked him out. We're like, you need to take a break. You go in the other room and think about how mean you are to not let anybody else win. And so <laughs> we still like laugh about Nate. that. That's how Nate is with Dutch Blitz. It's like, come on, man. Like, just get out of here. Yeah. You didn't even grow up Mennonite. What's your problem? Why are you so good? <laughs> how are you so good at this? Yes. And this is the great thing about games, right? Oh, you guys, what a fun conversation. I cannot wait to hear what the awesomes have to recommend for games, what other names they might know some of these games by, because that's how it goes. And the games that I know they're going to say, 
oh, you should hear about this. And I'm going to go, how did I not think of that game? I love that game. Or I hate that game. So, oh, so much fun. Rebecca, remind everybody where they can find you if they want to talk about games. My website is simplyrebecca.com. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. And you can find me there at simplyrebecca. Although technically your favorite place to hang out on social media is TikTok, but that's like a whole separate conversation. <laughs> my favorite place to show my face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm with you there. We have talked about how we kind of wish we could have like anonymous dorky accounts on TikTok that nobody knew us, but you have to show your face so you can't yes. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be ideal. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Gordon MN. And of course, both Rebecca and I are in the Hangout group and in the Superstar group on Facebook. We are sending all of our love right now to Meg Teets and Emily Harris for the loss of their mom. And as they grieve, we love you so much. Thank you for letting us be here, awesomes, in your earbuds. Thank you for sending your love to our team. We will see you all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.